So I'd invite you to turn with me to Psalm 65. Um, just a, f- a brief bit of inf- introduction. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. And after verse 1, which is sort of a general praise to the Lord, everybody, uh, in Zion, to, so it's verse 1 is sort of stands by itself. Thereafter, verses 2 through 4 talk about it's thanksgiving to God for the forgiveness of sins that he has uh, given us. We've been overwhelmed by our sins. You forgive us. So we thank you and praise you. Verses 5 through 8, it's about that it's a thanksgiving that you have stilled the turmoil around us. You've stilled the roaring of the sea. The, in these Old Testament peoples, they thought the sea was great and deadly and one of the terrors. It was the seething havoc, uh, the chaos that would swallow you up. Um, and uh, the, uh, the, the roaring of the waves and also the turmoil of nations. Israel was a place that, that was surrounded uh, by, by a chaotic situation, political situation. And so the second part says, thank you for bringing the chaos down and, and stilling it so that we might, your people might, sing songs of joy so that we can call forth songs evening and morning to each other, songs of joy. And we, we thank you for the quiet, that you brought this down to only a mild roar. Uh, it's not a say that you've eliminated all the troubles in the world, but you've, you've made it so that we can, in spite of what we go through, sing songs of praise and joy. And then verses 9 through to the end, it's about the way you care for us through provision of our groceries that we we eat because of your goodness. So we'll uh, we'll read this and then um, talk a little bit about it. Psalm 65 for the director of music, a psalm of David, a song. Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer to all your people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those who choose and bring near, who who you choose to bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of all the farthest seas who formed the mountains by your power having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water. You provide the people with grain For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing people of God. This is the word of the Lord. 
Um, well, I think spring is finally here. Amen? Uh, we weren't always so sure it was coming. Uh, January seemed to be a lot like last January. It, and I was given the delusion that, hey, you know, this might be a nice warm spring, like the spring of 2012. We had 80 degrees in March. Not so. Once we got done with January, and it's unseasonably warm January, we got into February. And that, that groundhog on February 2 got it really, really wrong. It just seemed like February lasted and lasted and lasted and lasted. It, we, we, really, we didn't have a March. We kind of went from, from February 57 right into April. We didn't even get March. It was so cold, March was. It was just, just kind of just ran on into one long thing. Uh, I try to not complain about the weather. Uh, I sometimes break down, and when it came to be around, you know, February 48 or whenever it was, I found myself saying, you know, don't I have a right to better weather? You know, in my weaker moments. So whenever I do complain about the weather, um, even if it's just in making small talk, you know, great weather, you know how we do that. We, everybody does that. Um, it's a really good thing to go to Psalm 65. The great psalm of thanksgiving for, first of all, forgiveness, which is where it all starts, forgiveness of our sins, and then for bringing the calamity of the world to a, a manageable roar, and then lastly, for weather. And Psalm 65 especially brings it to mind for wet weather. For lush, fertile land. The words, you care for the land and water it, you drench its furrows and level its ridges, you soften it with showers. They make me realize that the Lord is the Lord of the weather. And yes, uh, wet weather, uh, cold weather, the weather in which the earth is replenished also. Now, I was born and reared in the city. I suspect most of you were. Maybe a few of you have had the, the benefit of being born and reared in country places, uh, agrarian places where you were farming was a way of life. Uh, maybe a lot of you have gardens, and so you know, you know some of these things. But I suspect most of us are like me. We were raised in urban situations or raised in cities. And it wasn't for me until I went to college in northwestern Iowa where I first got a glimmer of that everyone wasn't raised just the very same way as I was. These farm boys and girls did not complain about rain. They were so... I, mean, when I went to college in 1964, and it was, it was a particularly dry year that year, and, and got, got there in August, and it, it, there was still the, the, the time when they needed the wet weather, which was June and July, was passed, and, and the crop was pretty much going to be what it was, but still, they recognized that, that the showers of blessing were indeed showers of blessing, and if this city kid was inconvenienced by it because his hair was going to get wet. That was just too bad. 
and we didn't have to worry about that. It took me uh, a good while until I realized that God's care for the land and his watering of it, his drenching in it, the furrows and leveling its ridges, was indeed a revelation of himself and entirely good. I suspect uh, probably most of you can relate to that. We're, we're city-born, reared, um, and we see inclement weather, you know, stormy weather, as mostly inconvenience and something that might has, have the potential to ruin a nice weekend or a nice outing. And I've, I've often wondered, you know, on a June day, whose prayers does God listen to most acutely? The bride who wants a beautiful day for her wedding or the farmer who's begging for showers of blessings? That's, that's a hard question. Never have been quite able to figure it out. Um, not many of us, though, have experienced the longing, the desperate longing for wet weather. If, if you followed the news this past summer, we, we had significant and powerful, relentless drought through almost all of July and August, and the, the crops greatly, greatly suffered from it. Not many of us have, have experienced where getting up in the morning where parents anxiously look at the western sky to see if there might possibly be any sign that a storm was coming. Which means that we are handicapped, us city-born and bred people. We have a disadvantage, and let's just be quite clear about it. How, how so? Well, it's because... We believe that food comes from trucks. That when there's severe and serious drought, we notice that maybe, if we read the newspaper, and maybe a little bit of a rise in prices, maybe the potatoes, the tomatoes, are a little bit smaller than what we'd really like to have them. But we really don't experience a disruption in the source of life in this most essential of things, food. We are disadvantaged. Uh, we, it comes from a truck. The, the interruptions that we, experiences, that we experience are labor stoppages. When the truckers go on strike, when the cashiers go on strike. We, we notice that because then we're, our lives are inconvenienced and we don't like that. But generally... The, the cycle of growing, planting and uh, the, the growing of food and the harvesting of food is, is lost on us. And so we are at a disadvantage when it comes to recollecting and reflecting on this most essential of things of our lives, food. God is, of course, just as involved he is the sovereign one, the Lord of the universe, and he is just as much involved in uh, truckers' unions and cashiers' unions as he is in, uh, and with all the other middle middle people in the food chain, as he is with what comes out of its sky, out of the sky. The thing is, is, is our perception of it's harder for us to realize. It's hard for us to realize 
that one-to-one connection between what comes out of the sky and what goes into our mouths. We don't really see that all that much of a connection. But we need to hear and refresh ourselves again with the shower of God's blessing. We need to hear this psalm and recognize that the God-food connection is immediate and clear. I am told that there are such things as atheist farmers. I, I do not know how that could possibly be. I, I am told that there is it, there's some profound blinders on uh, such people, for sure. Rain and sunshine seem so obviously, and we're just talking, of course, here on a, on a sort of surface level, but it, the, the connection between the heavens and what comes out of them and the one who sits in the heavens, as the scriptures tell us, is so immediate, and we, we are uh, quick to make that association. Uh, more so than whether or not certain fleets of trucks run. That, that's a little harder to imagine. But dear friends, long, long ago, when the Spirit of God hovered over the chaotic waters prior to the creation, and God says, let there be light, and then on the third day he said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees of the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so, and God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. We, the story of creation tells us that the food-bearing capacities of the land are brought forth by and only by the word of God. Now that's a mighty wonder. The astonishment is that it should not diminish, the the astonishment of it is that it diminishes to us in our mind as a miracle because it happens so regularly. We so regularly find food. I, unless you are a person who was uh, from very unusual background indeed, perhaps in the war, uh, in the service, or in possibly Holland, or someplace where you actually did have to worry about where your next bites were coming from. For almost all of us, near to 100% of us, we never have had the thought where is my next meal going to come from? We, we, it just does not occur to us. The, the, the thing happens, this production of food comes to us so regularly that we don't think about it. It's not a matter that we think of. But never, that does not diminish the fact of how miraculous it is. Uh, my wife and I are big fans of a new BBC television series that comes on on Sunday nights called Call the Midwife. Maybe some of you know it. And one of the things I love about the show is that the miracle of life, i.e. the miracle of human birth, these, these women have been midwives for a long, long time, some of them for a very long time, 
And even though they see it regularly and they help women in, in who are uh, having babies regularly, the, the, the amazement, the joy, the miraculous character of what has just happened, that, that from out of these, these very unlikely beginnings, here has come a human life and they hold the baby and you cannot contain the joy. Friends, that is a very, the very same part of the chain of life, the miracle of life, that happens to us in food production. We don't gush and get all weepy-eyed uh, when we open a can of beans. But it's not that we shouldn't. We, part of what we deal with and the handicap we have in the affluent West in which food is so regular and so predictable is that we have ceased to eat mindfully and prayerfully. Part, I think, of the, of the huge problem that we have, and no pun intended, of obesity in America is that we shovel rather than eat prayerfully. Thinking, you know, th this, this bite is a gift, and it's a miracle. It's, and it comes from out of dirt. That's, that's a mighty wonder. That's a mighty wonder. Our groceries and the res are the results of countless wonders of a loving God who alone, alone can make life. Science has tried and will try for a long, long time, but cannot do it, cannot make life out of inanimate objects, cannot bring forth life from out of inanimate things. Only God can make a life. Psalm 60, 65 is, is so wonderful in that regard. It's thanksgiving, as I said, for, for three major things, the forgiveness of sins from which all of our thanks, the rest of our thanksgiving happens. It's for a cessation, a, 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 the shalom, the, the, the rest from the turbulence and the roar of the seas and the, and the, the cacophony of nations. It's, it's, a, it's a recognition that peace, shalom, comes from God. And then it's this amazing song of thanksgiving for, for food, for what comes out of the ground. The grasslands and hills are clothed with gladness, the meadows with flocks and the valleys with grain, all of which shout for joy and sing. And it's right. It's right and appropriate. And we can, as city folks, overcome this disability that we have by being people of such high privilege. We can, uh, we can be gardeners. <laughs> That's, uh, and my wife and I are not gardeners, and we basically kill most things we touch. We have gray thumbs, uh, and it's a sad thing, and we should probably change somehow by, by book learning or something. But, but the miracle of it, it, we have to acquire the wonder of food somehow, and the connection between what comes out of the sky, rain and uh, sunshine and rain and showers, to the everlasting God. The national day of prayer is always the second, this is another thing we can do, we can gather for prayer. It's always the second Thursday in May, or the first Thursday in May. I wonder why it's in May. 
National Day of Prayer is because that's planting time. That's how it got started. It's a farmer, Lord, give us a good season. Give us rain and sunshine in due course and proper levels. We pray, we pray. That uh, May 2 this year is, is National Day of Prayer. How can we explain planting and growing and, and, and harvest without the ter- in, outside of the terms of the Lord? Have you ever just gone outside and picked up a handful of dirt? What an unlikely beginning. You go outside and you pick up a handful of dirt, a clod of dirt, and you say, I mean, no one would guess that from out of this, Life comes with certain, you know, seeds. But you know, you put a seed in a, in a clod of dirt. It doesn't. It, it's again very unlikely. Aside from the hand of the wonder-working God, have you thought of it that literally, literally, everything that you put in your mouth has its beginnings in dirt? If you go out and drive out into the country now and close the door of the car and put on your boots and go out and slog through a a wet field, it won't look very likely at all. It won't look like much. It just is just all death. And it looks like death. And it's just, who could ever guess that in 120, 130 days' time, there'll be harvest. There'll be bounty, Lord willing, and the Lord giveth. How did this happen? Well, Psalm 65 says says it to us clearly. It's a miracle. And we need to be mindful eaters and thankful eaters and prayerful eaters. How is it possible to arrive at any other conclusion other than that there must be an author. There must be a miracle worker who permits us yet again to enjoy this planting. There must be a lord of dirt and of planting and of groceries. There must be someone who orders such activity. Psalm 65 tells us clearly who it is, that the miracle of life, the miracle of life, it's it's daily drenching. It's, it's the food-producing character of it comes from one place. The mind of man has a, is a wonderful thing. Science is a tremendous thing. And great things have been accomplished through science, but science cannot do what only God can do. This psalm is all about its adoration of God for forgiveness, for calmness, and for the blessing of food. And if you go through the psalm, and it, 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 it's all about God. And that's, I think, the thing that, the takeaway thing that we really need to take away from it tonight. Uh, if, you, if you count the, the you and your and yourselves in the psalm, there are 23 in these few verses. It is all about God. It's a prayer of thanks to a you, a thou, 
who is the author of every good and perfect gift. Forgiveness, cessation of hostilities, and nourishment. It's a song of thanksgiving to a personal God. If you look at verse 2, he has heard our prayers. He hears the prayer of somehow the bride and the farmer. And, and because he's God. And doesn't answer each always in the way they expect, of course. But this is where, and this is what thank, true thanksgiving, the thanksgiving that's exhibited in this psalm, calls for from us. We have to recognize that we are not the author. And that we are, we, we work the land, we gather the produce, we truck it to the factory, we do the processes of, of, and packaging, and, and we do the selling, perhaps. We, it's all part of a wonderful chain, and it's all the work of God. Someone else, and that is the you that Psalm 65 talks about. And it's the source of our thankfulness. So one of the things that we do, and the, the, one of the takeaways, and, and your presence here tonight is a recognition, is that this is not about you. We are gathered because there is a you who sits in heaven and who has spoken the world into being, who has called forth light and has called forth the heavenly bodies and has spoken to the earth and says, bring forth, bring forth, and has spoken to the trees and has said, bring forth, and has divided the animals and the livestock all up according to their kind and who has brought human beings into the world as the image bearers, the crown of his creation. This, this is wonderful psalm is a psalm that helps us understand that there is an author, and that we are entirely beholden to this one. We who gather here today, who gather regularly for worship and give thanks and praise to God for his goodness, we see the food on our table and the groceries on the shelves. It's much more profound than that we just happen to be so lucky as to live in a rich country. A lot of people say, well, I'm thankful for my country. Well, okay, I, I am. But I'm thankful to God for a rich place, a place that has plenty. And part of the recognition of being thankfulness to someone else is a recognition that not everyone has been so blessed. And that to those to whom much has been given, much is required. And a part of what we who live in the affluent West are called on to do is to be liberal in the very best sense of the word liberal sharers of this blessing so that others might eat as well we're here to acknowledge again the fact that we are beholden to confess that there is an author of all blessing we have come to thank someone else not congratulate ourselves on how wonderful our combines and how wonderful Monsanto is at their new scientific way of squeezing a few more bushels out of an acre. We have come to thank the author of all good and perfect gifts. And it's a humbling thing. It's good for us to do this. God bless you.
for coming. Um, we have come to acknowledge the fact that someone has done for us something that we could not possibly do ourselves. Praise be to God. 